BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hour two, Dan Silly on National Football Show. Welcome aboard with us. Rick Gosling. Talk of Fame Network will be at the bottom of the hour. Hall of Fame voter. We will get his perspective on the upcoming season for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll hit on that. And other things. The Aaron Rodgers story obviously is dominated. Deshaun Watson's story is dominating. And, you know, so one of my guys who works on our team and puts our show on, our fabulous show, and he does a great job, too, is my boy Cal. And I can tell that he's an Odell Beckham guy. One of them guys, you know, flashing the pen. Look, here's Odell Beckham. Every time I see that, man, you know, it's a great catch. You know, what a great catch. Oh, my God. He's so gifted, man. What a what a, what a wonderful um, uh, player, I guess, at times, because I don't really see him, and I haven't seen him for the last three years. But, hey, you know, I remember when he was in New York at Monday night. He was really like a special something, you know, I mean, because they went so much in New York. Oh, wait, they didn't. Oh, that's right. They went to the postseason. Then he was on a boat smoking weed, allegedly. Or whatever he was smoking. There's probably something else. Probably Cuban cigars or something. I don't know. And what the hell do I know? I'm 30,000 feet looking down, right? What the hell do I know about the greatness of Odell Beckham Jr., right? So, you know, then then all of a sudden, the New York Giants give him a contract, $95 million. You're like, wow, this guy's getting paid $17 million a year. He's, And you know what the Giants figured out? It only took him three months. Got to move this guy. They gave to him that contract, and then they said they had to move him. They were shopping that guy as fast as they gave him that deal because they knew that they were going to go through a transition with a new quarterback and a guy who was going to sit in that organization and bitch about not getting targets and blaming a young quarterback as they were trying to develop him. They knew that that was going to be oil and water, and they were not going to be able to have that same dynamic in that locker room because Eli Manning was a guy that was a veteran. He was able to handle Odell Beckham. And at the end of the day, guess what? That was not going to work for them, having Odell Beckham there with Daniel Jones, Dimes Jones, who I think sucks. They were not going to do that, man. They couldn't have it. That's why they were – the general manager of the team was already thinking the fact that Eli was going to play one more year and they were going to have to move the guy, so they moved him. That's why Beckham got moved out of New York as quick as he did after he signed that deal. So what they do? 
they found a fish in the water that was going to bite. And you know who it was? It was Cleveland because nothing goes to Cleveland. I mean, really, the only thing they've ever had in Cleveland is Jim Brown and LeBron. Honestly, other than that, it's been nothing. LeBron and Brown, that's it. And LeBron, as soon as he won that championship, pulled the ripcord and said, I ain't staying here for my brand. Cleveland, are you nuts? So what did they do? They needed to get somebody in that organization that people were going to show up and go and watch football games because the team had sucked for 28 years. So they went out and they got an overpaid, overhyped wide receiver in Odell Beckham. By the way, when he was in New York, at least he was averaging 95 yards of offense. Now, since he's been in Cleveland, when he's on the field, not hurt, he's averaging 60 yards. You're not going to pay a guy $17 million a year. That's getting you 60 yards in receiving catches. Nobody's going to do that. That contract that he makes, then he gets hurt last year. Sorry, dude. Yeah, and, and, and here's what you're getting now with him now saying about the upcoming season for the Cleveland Browns. You ready? Yeah, man, we got a shot at a Super Bowl. Bro, win your division first. Win your division before you can start barking that. You're calling yourself a – you have zero appearances in the Super Bowl as an organization anyway. And the last time that you were relevant was Jim Brown. And now you're trying to tell me that you're a Super Bowl contender? Under what premise that you were really good the last eight games of the year? I mean, where are you coming off with that? And what would Odell Beckham know about winning Super Bowls? This guy barely was in the postseason as a player. Don't you love it when players bark Super Bowl and they've never even tasted uh, the, the dance or been there or barely tasted even being in the postseason? What the hell would he know about it? I mean, here's a guy. You know what his big highlights are? Getting hurt and getting thrown off the LSU campus because he was paying players when they were winning the national championship two years ago. That's his claim to fame. The last, oh yes, and you know the the thing catch something on Monday night. I forget who he even was against. It was stupid. When you hey, when you got a poster that is your signature moment, and you don't have a real, a game real in game situations and winning championships, then guess what? You really haven't accomplished that much. What here? And I'll say this to you about Beckham. Is Odell Beckham a gifted NFL athlete? Not a question. He's not. He is totally. But, dude, apply it. Win some games. You think you're Larry Fitzgerald or something. Larry Fitzgerald, that's a guy that's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, you you are so far. Antonio Brown is a better receiver than you today. Today, he's a better receiver than you. Oh, and by the way. He's also got the goat throwing him the ball for at least a couple more years. You got Baker nobody. Baker Mayfield. And you see, see what his agent's doing, too. Yo, you know, we're not concerned about the contract. Nobody asked you. You know, I, I, I talked to Mary Kay Cabot, who's like one of their top writers in Cleveland. It's funny because the agent threw that out. And then Baker, like, picked up on what the agent said. It's funny. Guess what? No, no Cleveland Browns. Um, writer or anybody in the you know, radio business asked Baker Mayfield or the agent, hey, what about the contract negotiations for the you know extension for Baker Mayfield? It, you know why? Because the Browns aren't working on one. How could you be working on one? And how could you be thinking about Super Bowl 
when the organization is not even sure they got the right quarterback in the building. These guys, once again, the Cleveland Browns are doing something that is notorious for teams that have a lot of hype. Do you know what that is? They're overplaying their value right now. You're, you're not going to beat the Ravens. You're not beating the Chiefs. I'm not even sure you're going to beat the Chargers. And you're talking about being a Super Bowl contending team. You think you're better than the Bills? That quarterback that is up in Buffalo, I wouldn't take Baker Mayfield over that guy. Are you kidding me? There'd be very few quarterbacks in the league I'd take over that guy. Josh Allen's getting it done, dude. Baker Mayfield's had eight good games. And they've had a pretty decent season. So I got to hand it to him, okay? But let's do it again. Hey, there's two teams that have to run it back. The Bucks and the Browns. I want to see what the Browns do. Hey, if the Browns go 13-3, win their division, and they're a contender in the AFC, I'll be the first guy to go right here on the national football show. Hey, man, they shut me up. They did it. Lamar Jackson shut me up. Let's see if Baker Mayfield can shut me up. Let's, well, I remember that, too. 727, okay? And I'll bring it back because I always do. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first guy to say it. I'm looking at Baker Mayfield. I don't see it. And I think even, hey, could you imagine this? You imagine Aaron Rodgers in Cleveland? What would Aaron Rodgers do in Cleveland? And that team might not lose a ball game. With that defense and with those receivers and that backfield, when you got Chubb and Kareem Hunt and that old line, boy, I'll tell you, you put Aaron Rodgers in Cleveland, kind of fits a little bit where he was up in Green Bay. That Browns team would win a lot of games, and I think they could take the Chiefs down. He goes to Cleveland. That's a spot. For me, Baker Mayfield has to have a big year. They move on. Can you imagine just Aaron just leaving the NFC, going to the AFC, parachuting into Cleveland? Give him the best chance. And Kevin Stefanski is a pretty damn good play caller. Reminds me a lot of Matt LaFleur. That'd be a perfect plug-in, wouldn't it? Cleveland. All right. So I got to, speaking of, speaking of Aaron Rodgers here, you know, Devontae Adams, I got to give him a lot of love here, man. I think he really showed me a lot. And I, I, I got to tell you, so he broke off contract negotiations and told the Packers, I'm not going to work on a long-term deal. And there was even thought that Devontae wasn't going to show up today for Packers uh, training camp. There, there, there were thoughts that he wasn't going to be on the field come Wednesday, and he had broken off negotiations. His loyalty to Aaron Rodgers was front and center. If you're Aaron Rodgers, boy, do you owe that guy a lot because there is no question that up the ante when you have a player of that ilk also in the conversation now of doing this. Well, I'm not sure that I'm going to. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to like, you know, show up because Aaron's my guy. I don't think Jordan Love is really the dude. I don't know from what I've seen so far. Let's see if this guy's the, he, he was making it very clear. He didn't if Aaron's not in the building, he doesn't want to be in the building. That's a lot of loyalty. And if that's me and that's my defensive tackle partner, or that's one of my teammates that's getting my back. I'll never forget that. So Aaron Rodgers is got guys. You know what it tells me? You know, I said it earlier here, and I said about teammates. And I said there's not a lot of guys in the building. 
that probably like Aaron Rodgers. There's one guy that does love him, and it's his go-to guy, and he's one of the premier players in the league. See, this is when, you know, you sit back and you think about some of the things that you said. I say that there can't be the same kind of desire to play for him that say that there is in Tampa Bay on what Tom Brady does. But at the end of the day here, let's let's roll this back here and give us what the facts and realities are. Devontae Adams cut off contract negotiations and long-term contract talks. Why did he do that? Well, because he wanted to be loyal to his quarterback because his quarterback was having a bitching match with uh, Mark Murphy and the Packers. And so he showed incredible loyalty to Aaron Rodgers. Now, that goes against everything that I said when it comes to teammates in that locker room, doesn't it? You know, it's one thing for Cilio to be barking here and saying those things. It's another thing to hear him say this. Okay, hey, man, let's, let's look at it this way here, that there's no doubt inside that locker room that there's guys in that locker room that like Aaron Rodgers, and most importantly, it was Devontae Adams. So we'll see how this plays out. I brought I, I brought that storyline up. Remember how that whole KD thing worked out in Golden State when he was there in his final year? That thing wasn't good looking at all. We'll see how this plays out here over the next couple months here. What if they get out to a crappy start, which is likely because of that schedule? Not going to be Nostradamus and sit there and say that I know that these guys are going to not win 13 ball games this year. But what I am going to say is that they do got a tougher putt because of the fact that they had great success last year, which means you usually have a uh, really tougher uh, schedule. So we'll see. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic. All right, let's move on to this. I don't think that we can do a show without bringing up some type of questions that have been asked. How, how, How about this? Let, 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 let's throw this out there to all the football fans. Do you think football players should be asked questions about vaccinations? You know, I get, I, I get guys telling me football fans aren't interested in vaccinations. I agree. When, it, when, it, when a person tunes on a radio show, a show like this, um, a, a, a TV show, watching a game. I don't want to hear about what's going on in D.C. I completely, one billion percent, subscribe to that. However, when the stars of your league that you love and you embrace are asked these questions by the sports media, Don't you think there's an obligation to answer or do you think there's not an obligation to answer? Like Dak Prescott here was asked again today and Oxnard whether or not he was vaccinated. And now with the CDC coming out saying that people who are vaccinated this coming fall in schools one through 12 will have to wear masks inside. So what they've done from three months ago when they said they didn't have to, They've moved the yardsticks on these athletes now, and they you've, they've moved the yardsticks on fans. Again, I'm not trying to bore you here, but this is part of the dynamic and the conversation going forward into the fall. Because as a fan, when I show up to these facilities and I show up to these stadiums, 
I show up to Lincoln Financial or I show up to MetLife or I show up to any of these places like Heinz Field, if the players don't have to answer that question, why should you? Why should you? If there's a player like Josh Allen who's made it very clear that he's not vaccinated and I don't know, does he have to wear a mask outside now? Are we going to go back to that? There's no constitutional law that says you have to do this. How is the league going to handle this moving forward? The face of the Dallas Cowboys is not answering. He's quoting these HIPAA laws where, like, I'm paraphrasing it here, that you don't have to disclose anything in your medical health records or your medical health history. How are you getting around this? And you know that the lame stream, and I said lame stream media, is going to be throwing this around as clickbait and that the league is now in a position. Watch this. Do I stay neutral? Do I go on the side of the conservatives or liberals in this conversation? By the way, I don't think there is a side. I think if Americans are getting sick, I don't think there's a political issue in this. I think people have to do the right thing for their family. And once again, you know, I'm not going to stay long on this, but if it's a conversation every day, then it has to be put into a show. You know, it's funny. I get people asking me this all the time. Are you going to bring this up? Well, if you're talking about it, yeah. If it's trending, yes. I just tweeted it out uh, that we're, we're in a position now where now we're back to mask again. And get this, it's already blowing up on my Twitter page. Yes and no, uh, CDC changing the rules. People are all saying this. There's two sides of it. By the way, I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I would never because that's not my job. I'm a talk show host, folks, not a doctor. Not a doctor. And I don't play one on the air. But I do play this. If it's a topic, I'm going to ping pong it back and forth here. That's what I'm going to do. All right. I want to talk to Rick Goslin because, look, I think the NFC East this year is going to be up for grabs. I think without a doubt um, the Washington team and I think the New York Giants are probably your front and center teams. Um, I think those two teams probably have the better defenses, like I said. I think if you can get a magical year out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think that's probably – the favorite going in to repeat as the NFC champs. Where do the Eagles fit in to this whole dynamic with it, when it comes to this conversation? From Talk of Fame Network, my friend Rick Goslin, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. We'll talk to him. We'll do that next. You keep that here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark the dark but i once heard someone say but as i always say it's okay to be afraid as long as you face the fear and keep moving forward wherever you are in life count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years independence blue cross Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day as long as you can find it here's what we suggest 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Dan Cilio here. Rick Goslin will join us from the Talk of Fame Network. We'll get his thoughts on the upcoming 2021 season for the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, I think, are a 10-7 football team. Extra game being added, obviously. And I still don't think that they have really upped their talent level on the other side of the football. They got the kid from Penn State in the first round, but he's a rookie. And there's always a maturation rate that those players go through in learning a defensive system. You think he's going to be playing the same system that he played for four years at Penn State? He's absolutely not going to be doing that. And so you're going to be learning a complete different terminology. It's like learning French and Portuguese and Greek. When you go from learning one thing for four years to another system, that's not easy to just all of a sudden just make that transition. I mean, when you go from that – now, look, the great coaches today in college, that's why there's a lot of younger coaches in the game of football today is because they understand that. You know, the old turd – head coaches and assistant coaches, if you notice, they've been all weeded out just because of what I've said. You know, I love Wade Phillips. We had him on the program a couple months ago. But when you have a guy who has a system and he's been running that system for 35 years, 
That's not a guy I want on my football team. I want an innovator. I want a guy that's going to be able to look at college kids and go like this. What did you run in college that made you so successful? You see, one of the things that happened to me when I got to the NFL, they asked me to play nose guard. I had never played nose guard in my entire life. I didn't even know how to line up right. I played one technique defensive tackle at Miami. I got up the field, rushed the passer, and I made plays. I wasn't a two-gap dude. I didn't even know what two-gap dude was. And they drafted me to do something completely different than what I did when I was in college. Do you know how many guys go through that when you play at a particular school, then you get to a system and you go to some place and you, you, you go there and you're asking them to do something completely different. And you drafted the kid on what he did in college. You know what he did in college? He played in a system that was tailored to his skill set. You got coaches today that are doing that. During my time, if you, you, you would get coaches that tried to jam that square peg into a round hole all the time. And that's why you had more failure rate when it came to draft choices. Today, you're seeing kids actually come into the game of the NFL, and these kids are making better impacts. Chase Young was spectacular for Washington last year. He really was. He was spectacular because you know what Ron Rivera did, the head coach? He figured out some of the things that he was doing at Ohio State. And you know what they did? They went to that style of defense, one-gap defense, get up the field, make plays. When you hold guys back because of your mentality or the way that you did things, that's a remedy for failure. It's, it's, it's like hiring somebody, like even in a sales department, guy's really successful and he's got a system on how he makes these great sales, right? You hire him and all of a sudden you got a way of doing things and how you run your department. You wonder why that guy's not having success. That's on you as failure as a coach. That's not, so to speak, on the kid. Now, look, if you see a kid and he sucks and you know he sucks and he doesn't have the skill set to play, you could figure it out after a few practices. Maybe this ain't cutting it out for this kid. But let's try to put him in a position to win. Coaches back in the day didn't do that. They looked at a kid and they would go like this. Well, he sucks. He's not good. That's why you had so much failure rate at quarterback. I mean, look, look at the kids that are coming into the game today at the quarterback position, especially. These kids are all succeeding because the coaches will go like this. Okay, so if he can't take snaps, let's put him in shotgun. He was in shotgun his entire four years. Do you know what? You know what? One of the things Andy Reid did that was so great in Kansas City? Patrick Mahomes was a shotgun quarterback at Texas Tech. Andy Reid was not really a shotgun guy. He was from snap guy in Philly. As soon as he got to KC and he saw that this kid here was more of a dude that took from shotgun, Patrick Mahomes took shotgun snaps. Why wouldn't you do that? Get the kid back. This guy could throw it from any angle. He's ambidextrous. Those coaches back in the old days, man, you know, the Parcells and the uh, guys like, you know, Mike Dicka. That's why Dicka went through 50 quarterbacks because they couldn't figure it out in any way whatsoever, and they just couldn't figure it out. And they figured it out once they started hiring guys like Kevin Stefanski, guys like Cliff Kingsbury, dudes like that that said, wait a minute here. Let's do this. 
let's let, let's see if we could tailor an offense around this particular guy and what he did in college. That's what Kevin Stefanski's done in Cleveland. Why do you think Baker Mayfield is starting to show a little bit of signs of being successful? Because you know why? There's two things. The guy in Cleveland said, well, he can't win games and throw us out of trouble. So let's run the football. We're going to run the football, and we're not going to put this guy in third and long where he's got to be in a position where he could potentially lose us a ball game. That's not how Cleveland's going to win. And when they changed that fundamental like that, that's when Cleveland started picking it up and starting winning more. That's what these young coaches now are doing. And to me, again, that's why you're seeing so many young faces at the head coaching position in the National Football League. Because look, look, Brandon Staley, who was hired in Los Angeles with the Chargers, instead of going out and getting a retread guy or a guy who had a system in a different way but had been an NFL head coach before, these organizations don't want to do that. They want to get a guy in the building that understands what these guys' talents are. It, it's really wonderful to watch and seeing these young co coaches now really starting to understand that when you draft a kid, this was my biggest bitch when I came out of college. Swear to you, my first day in Tampa, I looked over at my agent and I went, they're asking me to do things I've never done before in my life. And I would call home and they'd go, well, do what the coaches want. And I'm like, I don't know what they want. It didn't matter how long I stood. Now, look, I'm not blaming everybody in the room. I'm not throwing hall passes out here in any way whatsoever. I'm not doing that. But what I am saying to you is I'm going like this here. I got in that building. I'll never forget Mike Dubose was my D-line coach. Ray Perkins was my head coach. And I remember going like this, and I, I called Jimmy Johnson up, and I went through my first two practices. I said, Coach, I'm talking to Coach Johnson. I really don't know what these guys are asking me here. I have no idea what they're asking me to do. They want me to play a different position. I've never played it. And they want me to do something I have never done in my 12 years prior to playing football. Never. And I'm going through, and you wonder why I, I, I was bombing around and fumbling around. I didn't know the plays. I didn't know what – I didn't even know what the schemes were. Well, we're going to be in a uh, 34 front here, and we're going to sit here, and this is how we're going to go about trying to play this defense. I was like this. I, I don't know what they're asking me to do here. So, well, this is going to be – an interesting year for the Dallas Cowboys. Where do the Cowboys fit in the NFC East? I mean, Jerry Jones can tell you, okay, and getting Dak Prescott signed was a massive, was a massive thing for them because it puts stability at that position finally. And there is no question that when you get that position solidified, then you got to start building pieces around it. Look, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, the offensive line should be healthier again. But as we said, what are you doing on that other side of the football? Where are you going on that other side of the football? All right, we're going to try to run our friend Rick Goslin down here and get his thoughts from Talk of Fame Network to see 
what this football team is going to do this year. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Dan Silio here. I got to tell you, man, I love my friend. Rick Gosselin from Talk of Fame Network, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. And I'm going to start him off as we bring in our friend Rick Gosselin here from Talk of Fame Network. I'm going to start this out with you here, Rick. When I saw that story the other day and I saw that highlight from Jerry Jones talking about how he effed it up, (laughs) my head hit the floor. My jaw was open the whole time. I text Jimmy Johnson and I said, 
had you ever heard this Barry Switzer story or did you know anything about this? His one word was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, how did Rick, I don't think this is getting enough plug, uh, enough pub, but how incredible this is that Jerry finally, after all these years has admitted, it. I just was so, I couldn't wait to get you on on what you thought because you were there for the whole journey. He, he hasn't won since Jimmy left, essentially. I mean, Jimmy built a team that won three Super Bowls, and in the last 25 years, there hasn't been an NFC playoff, uh, title game playoff appearance or, you know, a Super Bowl. And they've not been the same since Jimmy left. Jimmy built the team. Jimmy coached the team. And when he left, they kind of lost their way. Uh, as, as the stars got older, the triplets got older, Michael and Troy and Emmett and some of the great players left, they never really replaced those players. So, yeah, was, he, he did it. I and mean, we've known for 25 years he screwed it up. He finally admitted it. You know, They've had, like you said, Rick, they've had three playoff wins in 25 years. I mean – you know, if he was so great at building the football team, you know, I mean, he would have been able to duplicate it again. And I'll give you an example of that. I mean, look at how many times Ozzie Newsome completely revamped that football team in Baltimore. You know, I mean, you go back from the first time they were winning when they had Dilfer, then they on their Flacco, now what they're doing again. This was all under Ozzie. And Ozzie revamped that thing three different times, and they won three different times. So, I mean, but again, Ozzie, Jerry, Ozzie was special. I mean, I liked Jimmy was special as a talent evaluator, and so was Ozzy. You know, I, I spent a lot of time for 20 years doing drafts, and it always amazed me, no matter where the Ravens were drafting, a good player always slid to him. Ray Lewis is at 27, Ed Reed at 26, uh, Todd Heap at 31, Ben Grubbs at 24, I think. It's amazing. They're drafted at the end of the round, and they're getting players that are multi-pro ball guys, Hall of Fame candidates. That's why you win. It's talent procurement. And Jimmy was, was among the best I'd ever seen. I mean, his drafts, getting the Leon Letts and the Larry Browns, you know, on the, on the second day of the draft. I mean, the reason they won, a, a lot of coaches could have done what Jimmy did as a coach with that talent. But he's the guy that built that team. And very few coaches could have done that. And that's what separates you know, the Cowboys then from the Cowboys now, they don't have that guy that knows what a player looks like. Ozzie Newsom is one of the two or three best GMs in the history of the, of the game. Do you think that Jerry Jones ever has, I don't want to say the courage, but do you think he ever has, because that admittance that he's failed this organization by not keeping uh, the guys together, Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones, do you think there's going to be a time we're going to see Jimmy Johnson honored in the ring of a ring of honor at, Cowboy Stadium? Yeah, no question. They, they have to they have to put him in. I mean, now that you're in the Hall of Fame, that used to be the the rule uh, under Tech Schramm. You got in the Ring of Honor when you got in the Hall of Fame, and then they, they kind of got away with it, get away from that. But now, uh, I think both Jimmy and Jerry know that at some point, probably probably next year, probably 2022, uh, Jimmy going to Ring of Honor. Although you know, Jimmy's got to get his ring, his Hall of Fame ring. That would have been an opportune time, be an opportune time, whatever that game is, to put him in that night. Uh, but we'll see. I'm not sure if Jerry's quite to that point yet. Who do you think is more revered in the end, Rick, as a Cowboy fan out there that's listening to you right now, Tom Landry or Jimmy Johnson? Jimmy Johnson's got those three rings. Um, well, that's a tough one. I, I think Landry, because of the longevity, 
and the fact that he was fired, he didn't leave of his own volition. Um, there's still a great love for Landry. There are streets in here in this town named for Landry, and there are no streets named after Jimmy Johnson yet. So I, I think right now I'd say Landry. Um, Jimmy going to Hall of Fame, that changes things a little bit because now you got two Hall of Fame coaches. Um, Jimmy, no doubt, Jimmy is he, he's loved in this town. He brought him, he, he, he resurrected that franchise from the dead, won three championships. But uh, Landry is here for so many years. So I, I still go with Landry. How about this, Rick? Um, no, no, no matter what I do, no matter how I keep trying to pimp this to my wife, I'm like, you know, I'm a Jimmy <laughs> Johnson guy. My wife goes like this. Well, she lived in Dallas, and she's like, well, I'm a Tom Landry guy, and I'll always be a Tom <laughs> Landry guy. Let me move on to Dak Prescott. How are How is the Dallas media handling this vaccination stuff with him where he's now quoting HIPAA laws and not really directly answering the question? Not that he has to. You know, he doesn't have to. But with the league now coming down on unvaccinated players, it's given the impression – that he's not a vaccinated player. He's the highest paid guy in the league. He's the face of the biggest franchise in the world. How is that being received by the Dallas media? And how do you think that's being received around the country? Well, I, I don't know that he is vaccinated or not vaccinated. He hasn't told us. He could very well be vaccinated. And, and by not taking a stand, doesn't want to put any teammates that aren't vaccinated on the spot. I think he's very, being very diplomatic about it, whether he's vaccinated or not. Um, they love him here. I mean, he's now though at the highest paid player in the NFL and he's healthy. Uh, as long as he's healthy and not missing games from uh, COVID, I think uh, he can do no wrong. And the media has got kid gloves. Uh, they know what Dak Prescott means to this team. And it's all been good. You know, he, when he initially came out and said he didn't want to comment, you know, there was criticism. And anytime anybody in this league comes out and says he's not vaccinated, they're criticized. So he's not subjecting himself to that. But I, I think he was being very diplomatic there. I, I, I don't know if he is or is not vaccinated, but he, I think as a, as a good leader of the team, he didn't put any of his teammates on the spot. You know, I, I got to say this about Mike McCarthy, and I'm learning a lot about Mike McCarthy through the actions of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. That couldn't have been that um, easy to handle a guy. And this is coming from a defensive tackle, Rick, who's always <laughs> whining and crying and needs a tissue. And he's always bitching and stuff. And my wife says, hey, look, these big-time stars, they need to be patted on the head and maybe pampered a little bit. So maybe I'm coming from a different angle here. But, I mean, he had to handle that. I mean, you think we're going to get more of a comfort zone this year with Mike McCarthy? One year removed, COVID had to play a lot into it. You're the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. You think he's more in a comfort zone this year going forward into this year? Yeah, without question. He had an off-season program. For one, he feels better about what he has. He's got a better feel for the, the players on this roster and what they can do. Uh, I, I think he's – I think you're going to see a, a little bit of different team. I know they want to get Elliott more involved. That's still the great mystery to me last year. Prescott goes down, and when you lose your quarterback, you, you shift the burden to the running back. He's going to carry your team. Yet he got less work in three of his first four seasons. He was three 300 carry back. Last year, he's at 244. In the final 11 games without Dak, he only had one game where he got 20 carries. When you got a big physical pounder like Elliott, he gets better like Emmett. He gets better the more he carries the ball. Second half, 23rd, 24th, 25th carry of a game. Defenses don't, don't want to tackle him. But they never gave Elliott a chance to, to, to get out of the blocks and really warm up. You know, you can't 
you can't be down and play as a running back when you get the ball 10 times a game. And he had a couple 10 and 12 carry games. And it just it boggled my mind. Why aren't they running him? And I think there'll be a greater commitment this year to keep Elliott involved because they're going to throw the ball. But if Elliott's rolling, that pass rush comes a little bit slower when you got that big horse coming at you. Man, you bring a great point up about Emmett. You know, we played against him in college, obviously, when he was at Florida, when Jimmy and I were at Miami. And then obviously, he's a, you know, you know what, Rick, I'll tell you, you know, there's been other backs in the NFL. And I, to me personally, I think Eric Dickerson's the greatest talent that I've ever played against. That guy just runs through the line of scrimmage and he had world-class speed. I know he was upright, but man, he was just a flash. And here was Emmett, five yards, three yards, 15 yards, 18 yards, six yards, five yards. I never saw a minus play, but it was always five. Then you looked up, he had 155 yards and 28 carries, and the Cowboys had run the clock off you. And it was like incredible. They have to get to that style, don't they? This group, if they're going to really be more than a 10-7 football team. Yeah, a big part of it for them it was that offensive line. That yeah. was the strength of the team. Those, those guys are all pro bowlers, and, and they, they played to, the, to that strength. Right now, they think the offensive line is, again, a strength. If if, if uh, Aaron Smith is healthy and Zach Martin and Leo Collins is healthy, this is going to be a strength. Offensive linemen are better when they're moving forward than they are moving backward, pass blocking. They want to run block. They want to set a mentality. And with Elliott, you have the chance to set the mentality if you give them the football. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're going to see – I know Kellen Moore would love to throw the ball 50 times a game. But if you look at Dak Prescott last year, first five games, he's an MVP candidate, all those four and five-yard games. They were one and four. They weren't winning when Dak was throwing for 400 yards. You need balance. Back when the Cowboys are winning Super Bowls, Troy would throw 22, 23, 24 times a game. And they would get his 24, 25, 26 carries. And there was balance. There wasn't balance last year. They have to find that balance because they have an elite back. They have an elite quarterback, and you can't forget either one of them like they did last year. What are you more concerned about, Rick, going into this year for the Cowboys? Their O-line, which was banged up a year ago, injuries. I don't know how deep they are at that position. Or the front seven on the Dallas Cowboy defense. What concerns you more? I'm concerned about the entire 11 on the Dallas Cowboy defense. You know, I, I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought they had to replace eight of the starters. I'd bring back Diggs wow. and Demarcus Lawrence and one of the two linebackers, but I felt if they're going to get better, they need better people. And they, they've, they've taken great strides. The, the second-round cornerback, Kelvin Joseph's going to start, and Michael Parsons probably going to be the other linebacker. Um, Neville Gallimore will be is, is bigger. He'll be better this year than he was last year. It's all about the defense, and especially the pass defense. They need a pass rush, and they need some playmakers back there. And they're going to find out after the first two weeks how much better they're going to be because they open with Tom Brady and Justin Herbert. So they're going to know after playing those two quarterbacks where they are in defense. You think Jalen Smith has been overpaid? Yeah. And the problem with the, the most recent era of the Jerry Jones Cowboys is once a guy gets money, he's never the same player. You know, Demarcus Lawrence hasn't been the same pass rusher that he was before he got the $100 million contract. Jalen Smith has not been the same player. But again, Smith and Van Der Esch are going to be on the spot this year by drafting Parsons, and they got the linebacker Cox out of LSU, who is a good player, a good coverage player. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on the field. So those those two guys, Smith and uh, J- uh, Jalen Smith, are playing for their futures in Dallas this season. 
Why, why, why am I supposed to believe that Dan Quinn's going to bring a brand new style of defense when his defense is outside of the Super Bowl year? I don't know, Rick. I mean, I looked him up 26, um, 24. I mean, I know what he did when he was up in Seattle, but I don't know. I mean, why, why am I, why do I feel, is it because maybe his style fits the personnel that they have in the building? Is that why I'm supposed to be more optimistic? No, it's the newness. Okay. It was, it was, it was tiring for me to hear all the players blame Mike Nolan for all the, all the woes in the Divas last year. They put at the lap Mike Nolan and, and fired him. It was, it wasn't Mike Nolan. These guys were underachieving. These big money guys, they weren't playing to the level of their money. This defense was terrible last year. One of the worst in franchise history. There are 11 guys on the field that have to execute the plan. Didn't execute the plan. So the excitement now is because of the newness. Well, good news. Mike Nolan, he was a problem. He's gone. Dan Quinn, he's solution. He's here now. We don't know that. As you know, great coaches have great players. Players make the coaches. And I look at the, the Hall of Fame. Every, every coach in the Hall of Fame was a one-quarterback coach. You know, Paul Brown, uh, Otto Graham, Lombardi Starr, Noel Bradshaw, Walsh Montana, Jimmy Troy. Players make the coach. If they get him some players, he'll be a def good defensive coach again. He had great defensive talent in Seattle. He didn't in, in Atlanta. I got to show you something. You bring up the Hall of Fame. Hey, by the way, are you going this year or because of COVID are you staying behind? Would I miss three parties? No. No, 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 no. Not, especially not you. I want to show you something. <laughs> Watch this. You're going to appreciate okay. this more than anybody because Mark Astino sent this to me. You ready? Okay. Nice. It's a sacrifice, nice. and it's signed by Klecko, Abdul Salam, right there. Abdul Salam, right there. Uh-huh. Signed by Marty Lyons. Let me see here. Hold on. There we go. Marty Lyons right there. Uh-huh. And signed by Mark himself. Yeah. Nice. Collector's where item. You got to frame rank, that. Where do you rank that defensive line in history? Well, that was purple, pretty good. Purple people um, leaders. The Doomsday Defense, Fearsome Foursome. Kansas City Chiefs of 69. Oh, yeah. Cannon Culp, Jerry Mays. Bell. Uh, the Bears, that bear front. Um, Dent McMichael, Hampton. Doomsday? Yeah, um, yeah certainly Doomsday uh, is up there. Um, that's probably in the top 10, top 12. You know, you, ju you judge greatness by championships. And there are no championships here, so that's that's kind of the the one flying the ointment. But uh, they could bring it. <laughs> that sack exchange, they they went after the quarterback pretty good. They had two guys on the D line get twenty sacks. Yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. Absolutely. Hey, what do you? Hey, Rick, finally here on the Hall of Fame. Sure. When, when are you guys going to look at the sack records? And is it because you can't? I know I saw something with the um, NFL reference. They put it out there. They kind of like unofficially, and it moved Jack Youngblood up to sixth place in all-time sacks because they counted all of his sacks. Um, is it just because you guys can't go back because of the records weren't kept officially when it came to that number, the sack number, that you can't go back to like my uncle's era, uh, Robostelli's era, because he was a former MVP, and yeah. I only saw 50-some-odd sacks, and I think you guys went – or not you guys, but the reference guide went only to 67 – so I was just curious, and or sixty three. I think you guys went to. I, I, is it just because that's such an obscure sa uh, uh, number no, back I've, in the day? I, I've been using the tourney list for probably 10, 15 years. 
he's got the entire list. He's got virtually anybody that's had a sack since 1960 on this list. Uh, so I've been using that. Yeah, I've, I've always known the Deacons in the top five and, and Jack Youngblood in the top 10. Um, so I, I, I don't, matter of fact, when I was um, in the Centennial class, I was making the pitch for Alex Karras. I was assigned Karras. And I pointed out that Alex Karras had more career sacks than Warren Sapp. Sapp was the first ballot. Karras is one of three all-decade tackles in the 60s, and he'd never been a finalist because he never won. Warren Sapp got a ring. But I, I used the, the, Karras, the Karras numbers what, four or five years ago in, in a meeting. Um, yeah, I've, I, I know the work John Turney did. I have the greatest respect for it. I wish the NFL would adopt that. They act like a sack didn't happen. Before 1982, they act like those two 22-sack seasons by Deacon Jones didn't count. Harvey Martin had a 23-sack season in 1977. That didn't count. Coy Bubba Bacon. Bacon had a big year, Coy right? Bacon, uh, Bubba Baker had a 22-and-a-half-sack season. Great pass rushers that have never been recognized because the NFL will not acknowledge that they, uh, they had sacks. But I've been using that list for the last 10, 15 years. And, and what that does, though, Rick, is it kind of – it kind of hampers your evaluation on the Hall of Fame voting. That's where I'm going with it. If you're not counting statistics on guys who may be those borderline Hall of Fame guys like Gastineau or Klecko or Coy Bacon or whomever, these guys who had these big right. years, I mean, Bubba Baker, I mean, like, does, that, that takes away the evaluating of the Hall of Fame for you. I think it just adds another element, frankly. Uh like I said, I, I'm, I'm, these guys are on the senior pool. I can list 80 names of seniors that need to be discussed. Bacon's on there. Bubba Baker's on there. Get Klecko's on there. Gaston's on there. We're getting to bring out one a year. I mean, you can't break up this long jam of 80 worthy candidates when you're bringing out one a year. So I'm aware of all these guys. I, I know their sack numbers. Uh, they're, they're all still in play in my eyes. Maybe not in Hall of Fame's eyes, but in my eyes, and I think the the sack numbers, I think, help the candidacies of a lot of players. Hey, finally here, I know that you're gonna you're a big part of, um, you know, um, Drew Pearson going into the Hall of Fame. Is there a guy that you're looking at now that there's a case for that? Because, like you said, the Ed Whites of the world and all these other guys that are on that list. There's so many players that it's a logjam now. Is there somebody that you're circling right now that? You're trying to make a case for that belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, there are two. There are two players from the Bengals: Ken Anderson and Ken Riley. Ken Anderson is probably the best quarterback not in Florida A&M's finest, right? Oh my Ken, God, what a great coach too. Yeah, and Ken Riley, sixty-five career interceptions. That's second among pure quarterbacks in interceptions. He's never been discussed. The, the, the Hall of Fame should be about production, not reputation. How can you not a guy discuss a guy who intercepted 65 passes all at cornerback? You know, the, the Rod Woodson's and the Charles Woodson's and the Ronnie Lots all washed into safety and got a lot of interceptions at safety. Ken Riley got all 65 at corner. The year he retired, he had nine. <laughs> How has this guy never been discussed? He was the runner-up last year to Pearson. I, I, and the Bengals, they've been around since, what, 60, 67? They yeah. have one player in the Hall of Fame, Anthony Munoz. This has been a franchise that's gone to two Super Bowls. They've had good teams and good players, but for whatever reason, they've been ignored. And I, if one of the two Kens came out of this committee uh, this summer, I, I'd be happy with that. Absolutely. I love talking this stuff with you so much. 
I, I so revere the Hall of Fame, and I love the process, and I love that you guys take care of all the players and doing your due diligence to try to get everybody that's worthy to go into that place. Thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate it, my friend. See you at the party. You got it. That is my friend, Rick Goslin, part of the Hall of Fame Network and also, again, without a doubt there, too, takes care of it. Thank you. I appreciate it, Rick. Thank you, my friend. All right. So, yeah, I mean, there are so many guys that are worthy and worthy consideration. I just showed you a jersey here with two guys that when you look at their sack totals, like I told you, I mean, Joe Klecko made the Pro Bowl at nose guard, defensive tackle, and at defensive end. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had two seasons of 20 sacks. I think Gastineau had three years of 20 sack seasons. And this was back in an era when you threw the ball 25 times a game. You didn't throw the ball 50 times like you do today um, in the game. You just don't. And so, massive log jam. Yeah, I liked what he said about the Cowboys. Did you hear what he said, too? When you're talking or replacing eight or nine guys on the defensive side of the football, and you think that all of a sudden in an offseason is going to like rectify the fact that your football team last year was giving up a boatload of yards, a boatload of points. Make no mistake about it. Last year's Dallas Cowboy defense was probably the worst defense, and this even includes the Jimmy Johnson 1-15 season where that defense was just giving up a boatload of yards. Here, I'll say it to you here, and my, my prediction with the Cowboys this year, I think they're going to score a lot of points, but I think they're going to surrender a lot of points, and you're going to see a 10-7 and 7 team. Can they catch Magic in a bottle and maybe win that division? It's all going to be on the back of Ezekiel Elliott, really not Dak Prescott in my opinion. All right. I want to thank Big Joe for making it all happen. Krause, thank you. I want to thank my guy, Cal. Cal, great job as always. By the way, if you missed any of the show, please do me a favor. Go over to the Jacob Media channel. You can share it, like it. You can catch us each and every single day here on the National Football Show going 4 to 6 Eastern time till tomorrow. We'll catch you on the flip side. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.